Welcome to the Your Bold Life podcast. I'm Val Selby, and for those of us women over 40, I take a stand that it's time for us to take our turn. Let's stop the cycle that we think we're the only ones going through tons of changes after 40. Instead, let's share stories and learn how we're all going through so much of the same crap. So per usual, we're going to have a conversation today, and I... I attract bold women, don't we? Um, We attract like, and I am looking forward to this conversation and we're gonna try and keep it to to a couple of topics. I mean, everybody knows how I can squirrel and Corby Mitleid, I am excited to have you on here because I just know I could squirrel with you on so many different wonderful topics. So thank you for being here today. Oh, it's a real pleasure. Happy to be here. <laughs> Good. So it's, yeah, I'm, I mean, everyone, when, when you see her bio in the show notes, it's going to be amazing all of the things that she has done, gone through, um, still doing, moved on from, which is definitely something that I want to address is I love a woman who is unafraid to change directions absolutely in love with that concept and so before we get there I would love it if you go ahead and give just a little introduction of yourself and what you do. Okay um the old I started out as a child 30 second elevator speech (laughs) originally from Cherry Hill New Jersey which is you know very typical of one percenter land Dad was a doctor, mom was a nurse. My brother is pediatric pulmonology. Me, I was a theater major and a writer and a visionary. Black sheep. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, So the life was not easy. Left Brown University after two and a half years because I really wasn't um, a a student type. And Mm -hmm. back in the 70s, you could take your eight majors pass fail and then take Swedish and basket weaving. They didn't Mm. care. dealt with a very dysfunctional family, uh, mother and alcoholic cross addicted with barbiturates, um, have done the cancer dance three times, been divorced twice, but this marriage is 20 years on and we're sticking with it. Um, Have had a very checkered career, actress, author, inspirational speaker, video producer, writer for graphic novel series, legal assistant, copywriter, event planner, executive recruiter, and now for the past 18 years full time, uh, psychic medium, past life specialist. I'm in books, radio, television, and the whole nine yards. Love it. Yeah, I love I love that all of that has led you to this and we are going to talk about your book. So everyone, uh, she does have a book out cleaning out your life closet that I've gone through at least a little bit and and read through and and did resonate with it. So we will definitely talk about that, but we're going to lead up to the fact that, that all of that, that crap brought you to that book, right? Yes, it absolutely did. Um, I mean, I will give a hundred dollars cold, hard cash to anyone listening who can absolutely prove to me that you have never bought a self-help book because you know we all have right I mean I remember my first one when I was 12 and it was you know how to be this wonderful teenager and I remember the chapter that says um no matter how what how pretty her hair how lovely her dress etc Judy is fat 
and nobody likes a fat girl and Judy had better look. That was a self-help book in 1967. Yeah. And they're not much better now. Um, You know, one that I know by Doreen Bircher, I think she says that you have to avoid food with leptin, do yoga three times uh, a day or something. And it's like, you're going to tell uh, a mother of two in Milwaukee who's got to be at work at 8.30 in the morning. She has to do all of this stuff. Are you nuts? Right? <laughs> Welcome to the real world. Yes. <laughs> we don't have time for that crap. <laughs> and, and I loved it when you were talking about the fact that about the self-help books and how we all have them because as I told you before we started recording I really did feel that you just gave me permission to go delete all the crap that I bought because I thought I needed it somebody suggested it oh you got to read this book it's so great and I've never read it and it just sits there and drives me insane Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm I know. Uh, it's like I did keto and intermittent fasting for a couple of years, but every single book on it, it ruined my gut. Yeah. So now I'm doing Weight Watchers and, you know, almost not quite vegetarian and I'm feeling much better. Yeah. Where am I going to have two shelves for the books? What am I going to get? <laughs> right? Yeah. And that is uh, a really interesting thought as well. And I hope everybody's listening and pays attention to how you put it back to how long ago we started with the self-help stuff. I mean, it's true because all of the magazines, you know, I was a girl in the eighties. So it was 17 that we were getting. And I'm like, that is literally everything that we were force fed. And, you know, they still do it. Um, I don't know that the magazines are out there anymore, but it wasn't uh, maybe five years ago you had women's day and family circles. And what did they have? Here's the latest new diet. And by the way, here's how to make all the food we're telling you you're not allowed to eat for your family so they think you're good. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. You make this for them and this for you. Yeah. Yeah. And this will make you perfect. Look, when I was a kid, my mother was so obsessed about her looks and her weight. I mean, she literally force marched me to Weight Watchers when I was 11. Back in the days when things like ketchup was illegal. Yeah. And... Until I went to college, uh, like, you know, since I was 12, every single night was dry fish and salad for her and for me, no matter what everyone else was eating. Oh, man. So is it any surprise that in the middle of the night, I'd go downstairs to the freezer and eat frozen cereal cake? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Because it was forbidden and we always want the forbidden. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, mom, mom was very much nobody likes a fat girl. Yep. Yeah, my, my mom was a major yo-yo. Yeah. I mean, I was a zaftig. That's Yiddish. It means, yeah, she's a little bit. It's in all the right places. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, as I kid around, my, my background is German-Russian peasant, you know, strong like bull, bull, plow. Yep. <laughs> we're, we're not Twiggy. Yep. Um, but uh, I look back at pictures of myself. I wasn't fat. Yeah. But my mother, at that point, made me feel as if I was so obese and, you know, to this day, I still have trouble looking at myself in reality mm. and to work on it. Mm. Ouch. Yeah. That's stuff that we carry forward. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I can remember a conversation and I was always super crazy athletic, so I didn't know how to eat. 
because I literally ate everything and anything. I, my husband and I got together in high school and I out ate him and he was a, a college lineman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I had no concept. So when I got pregnant at 21, I ballooned up and have had issues ever since because I just always used food. Like you said, I used food as my comfort. And I know Mm -hmm. I did back in the day as well because I had my stash of candy and and all of that. Of course. But at that time, it didn't catch up with me because I was burning so many calories. Now, (laughs) yep, not really running track anymore. So (laughs) working on those mindset changes after all of those decades is just still tough. Yes. And you have to allow yourself that it's tough and it doesn't mean you're not doing enough work. Yeah. You're human. Yep. Yep. And we got to start with where we are right now and, and give ourselves some, some grace. Mm-hmm. Please, 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 please do. So I love it um, when you're talking about the whole, I mean, the whole childhood thing, because I mean, of course, that's where it all starts, where our, our issues all start. I've always, I've always said, yeah, yep. and, you know, I'm going to send my kids to therapy for something. So that's probably it. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. You know, no life is absolutely perfect, no matter how hard we try. But I never really paid attention to the fact that, that we are trained, and never untrained that somebody else knows better than we do. Mm-hmm. especially when we're it's a it's kind of a dual message first we're told we're always wrong yeah you know um and i'll tell you why it's because parents don't ask um the the biggest influence i ever had was a place called the option institute in massachusetts they've been around since the early 80s at this point the founders are in their mid to late 70s so they're only doing stuff you know pretty much online but they taught me that there are three important questions for anything. What are you X about? Whatever emotion that is. Why are you X about that? And the one that we never ask ourselves, what do we think would happen if we stopped being X about that? And I'm going to use it with the example of a child. Mm-hmm. Um, a child comes home and he says, I hate school. And the mother just says, well, you can't hate school or don't be silly, but doesn't ask. Mm -hmm. So the mother can say, what's the matter? And the kid could say, I hate school. That's what, why do you hate school? Because they gave us double homework. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, why do you hate the fact that they gave you double homework? Because then I can't go out to play. And then you watch the magic question. What do you think would happen, Josh, if you stopped hating school and your homework? Blink, blink. <laughs> Maybe I would do it. Okay. <laughs> and what happens if you just did your homework? Could I go out and play afterwards? Uh-huh. Kid goes right to work and does the homework. Right. The, the most important thing, because... Right there, a parent can stop what we went through. Mm-hmm. You honor the child's feelings. It doesn't mean you're a helicopter parent. It doesn't mean that Binky and Muffin get an award for walking in the door. Mm-hmm. But you acknowledge how they feel and you ask them why. Yeah. And so the kid knows that he's validated. And then you offer him the idea about, well, what happens if you change your belief point? 
and you don't make the kid change it, but you give the kid the tools so that from now on, he understands I can change how I feel about something. Yeah. If we had learned that when we were kids, the world would be a very different place. Oh my, yeah. Feelings back in the day. I'm just, I'm just even trying to imagine because, you know, all of course I just imagine is my hormonal years where I was just a raging yep. bitch. And, mm-hmm. and I know for sure I was because I raised myself with my daughter. So <laughs> um, see, I relived I I exactly 13, what <laughs> When I was 13, I knew I did not want children and I stuck to it because I knew what my childhood was like. And by God, I was not going to go through that yeah. again from the other side. <laughs> my daughter used to say she didn't want kids. And I said, that's good. If you don't want them, please don't have them. <laughs> Yep. You know, no, I, I, I get my jollies out of being that wonderful aunt by adoption yeah. for a bunch of fabulous teenagers. Right. And that's when I love them. When they're teenagers, you can't stand them. That's when I want them. Yeah. Because I get it. Since I never had kids, I'm just the biggest kid in the room and they listen to me. Right. <laughs> right. And I can, I can look at that and, and think a little bit back to mine. I don't think very much back because I don't have specific events per se, but I can look at my daughter as well and think, you know, what if I had handled it just a little bit different when she's in those rages, rages, you know, and I know my husband did handle it a little bit better because there wasn't the two raging females at each other. Um, Mm -hmm. He, he did handle it a little bit better with asking her through more questions like that. Yeah. Yeah. What if we all decided we were going to do that? And even for and, just friends and such, I mean, and family. Sure, sure. Yeah. That will work with absolutely everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing I talk about is you have to learn how to be a Martian detective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was super interesting concept. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Okay. For those, for those out listening with us. Um, if I looked at Val and she had water coming out of her eyes and I said, why are you crying? I could be wrong. But a Martian would look at her and go, why is there water coming from your eyes? And the Martian could get it better because maybe she's got allergies or maybe her contact lenses are bugging her or maybe there's an emotional answer. Uh-huh. And the way I specifically teach the value of that, um, the story of a man who had a wife and a daughter, but he was in a car accident and his face ended up kind of looking like spin art, you know? So he was very conscious of how ugly he was now, but he was still married with a kid. He's tucking his daughter into bed one night and she grabs his face and smushes it next to hers and says, this will be a great picture, but it would be better if mommy's face were in the picture. Now, if he had not learned how to be a Martian, he would have assumed, see, even my daughter thinks I'm hideous. Right. But instead he knew to ask. And so he said, why would it be a better picture if mommy's face were in the picture? And she looks at him like he's an absolute idiot and says, because mommy can't hold the camera still. And you take good pictures. <laughs> Boom. Right there. He avoided years of misplaced guilt and horror. Because uh-huh. he knew how to ask a question. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Because we just make so many assumptions mm-hmm. about what people mean. And we have no idea. Assumptions never work. And then we carry those assumptions for so long and rework the conversation over and over in our heads. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three in the morning, I should have said this, but. Right, right. In- instead, yeah, let's, let's learn to ask some questions. Um, 
do you did you find that you have to slowly edge into that or are people okay with with the different I guess I'm looking at like okay if I start having conversations with my family now are they just going to look at me like I'm dumb like normal um <laughs> if no. I start changing my questions did you have to ease into it or can you just jump full in it depends on who the person is with my clients absolutely but my clients know that I am, I have one pointed compassionate focus and I'm never judgmental to them. Right. Um, with family, sometimes it will take some time. They may just say, why are you asking me all these questions? I don't want to answer. Mm -hmm. Why don't you want to ask them the questions? You know, you, you, and they may just scream and yell and walk away, but you know, be like Pepe Le Pew, the old Looney Tunes skunk. <laughs> just keep loping after him. But don't ask them questions all the time. Nobody likes to be questioned all the time. Yeah. Use it when there is a real situation that needs to be dealt with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Not, I think I'll make a peanut butter sandwich. Why are you going to make a peanut butter sandwich? No, don't do that. That's like the little kid in the car saying, are we there yet? Or the little kid that answers everything you tell him with why. Right. <laughs> you know, you want to step in a barrel with a bunghole and yeah, yeah. Yep. No, I was that kid, the Y kid. I'm still yeah. kind of the Y kid. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I always said, if you tell me the why of you of of why you want me to do something, I will remember it. Then, mm -hmm. if you just tell me to do something, then instantly the bitch in me says, I don't want to. Yep. Yep. <laughs> if you give me that reason why, then I'm I'm more apt to say, Oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> No problem. So what inspired you to write your your book? And especially because it's it's so ironic because of course you're talking about the, how many self-help books we have that we don't read. Because these are the four subjects that my clients ask me about more most often besides this Bruce Love Me. Um, clarity, adaptability, simplicity, and, and stress. Mm -hmm. And I wrote the book that I wished I'd had. Yes. Um, the way it's structured is, you know, at the beginning of a chapter, I tell you some of the stupid things I did or a good story. I may discuss one of my clients. And then I say, you might look at it this way. But the key is at the end of each chapter, we have what I call the adventure pages that you can't go look in the book and see what the right answer is. For instance, Let's look at the adventure pages for the chapter on stumbling toward enlightenment. Think of a time you've stumbled. What did you learn from the event that you later used? Do the six degrees of successful stumbling exercise with that event. It's one I gave you in the book. Mm -hmm. What did you gain unexpectedly as a result of what happened? Think of a friend who was always in their mind making mistakes. How might you present this idea to them? How would you work with it? So it immediately says what you want to do with this information is correct. And you and your friend could get the book at the same time. And if you each read the book and did the adventure pages at the end of each chapter, by the end of the book, you'd each have two personal manuals that were completely different. Yeah. My whole idea is that you can find your own answers, design your own toolbox, and you'll discover that healing the old and creating the new can be a positive, 
and joyful and soul satisfying experience because you're not always looking over your shoulder and seeing if it's okay to do it this way. Oh, yes. Oh, that is such the worst. Um, just the rephrasing of, of conversations mm-hmm. that you're having even out loud. I've been working with some clients on that. It's like, okay, wait, no, no, we're going to have to back up here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got to back up because it's all about that phrasing of how you're talking to yourself and how you're talking to others and you don't even realize mm-hmm. it. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, so, so your self-help book is definitely a self-help book. You are not going in there and telling them how that they need to. to no, do. I haven't lived their life. I haven't had their challenges. I don't know what their situation is. And I know I don't know. Mm-hmm. So that's why it will be a relief to them saying, You write your own story of change based on your history, your life experiences, and your goals, not mine. Perfect. Perfect. That is my favorite message for sure, is the fact that, you know, you're not going to be like me. I'm not going to be like you. And that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Because we'd be freaking bored if we all just, if if these self-help books worked and all of us were just like one of them, we'd be bored Mm -hmm. out of our minds. That's right. That's right. We're not clones. No. <laughs> and, and I don't think, I don't think enough women pay attention to, to how much their past leads them to a good experience now and how they can use that going forward. Yeah. Everything that we've learned, my friends, is grist for the mill. You don't have to react to it the way you used to. You don't. Mm-hmm. So. Permission to change. Mm-hmm. And the wonderful thing that I've been learning <laughs> for myself is the fact that, that I have permission to change again. Mm-hmm. Even if I, if I don't like doing that, all of a sudden I'm just like, well, I, no, that didn't fit. Okay, I can, I can change it again. And I know, um, and, you know, since you're, you grew up in that same time period, you know, if, mm-hmm. if we, we were just those females that can't make up their mind. Mm-hmm. And I think that yeah. a lot of us have really taken that to heart the entire time. And now we're just like, okay, this is the way I've always been. This is what I've always done. This is what my mom did. This is what my grandma did. So I have to do it too. It's like, you know, the meatloaf story, right? No. Okay. Um, someone came over to their friend's house they noticed they're making a meatloaf but then they cut off the end of it why are you doing that i know my mother always did it she calls your mom mom why do we cut off the end of the meatloaf i don't know your grandmother always did it she calls up her grandmother nana why did you always cut off the end of the meatloaf she said i never had a big enough pan (laughs) so you know you're doing all of this and you don't need to right And especially pay attention to that, everyone, because if you don't know why you're doing it, then it's probably something to drop. Yes. Yes. (laughs) If you don't have a good reason behind it, then look at ditching it if you don't want to do it. (laughs) I know. Um, You know, one one of my favorite ways to teach are stories and allegories and because people understand stories. You know, I mean, how many times do we tell our clients, you really have to learn to say no. Are you any good at saying no? No, not really. I get blah, blah, blah. Well, what I did for my clients 
is I have a postcard made up and the postcard says, no is a fabulous idea. <laughs> and on the back, I have written the tale of Sid. Sid was Moses' second cousin and he was leading a bunch of Israelites over on the other side of the desert. It was hard, it was hot, everyone was hungry and thirsty and tired and cranky, but Sid kept them going with cheery words and the constant promise that he would see them safely to the promised land or at least Miami. Suddenly, <laughs> there happened upon an oasis. There was one tree, one well, and one bucket to reach down to the water. And Sid was the only one who knew how to winch up a bucket to bring water up to the lip of the well. And Sid turned to his flock and said, oh, my people, I am the great and noble Sid. And I have promised that I would take care of you so I will see that you have water so you will not die of thirst. Sid went to work winching up bucket after bucket of water, but never drinking himself, because after all, I promised you that I would take care of you. I'll drink when everyone else is drunk. Except that Sid dropped dead of dehydration halfway through. Nobody else knew how to winch up the bucket, and they all died of dehydration with a well right there. Right. Now, if Sid had been smart, he would have said, oh, my people, I am the great and noble Sid, and I will see that you have water so that you will not die of thirst. But in order to take care of you, well, I need the first drink. And he would have drunk his fill and thereby found the strength to get everyone to drink afterwards. And they all would have celebrated at the Four Seasons Tel Aviv or at least the Miami Hilton. Mm -hmm. That's why yep. centuries later, the descendants of that noble but misguided man have a saying, which they recite to each other when someone starts to go down that martyr's path. Don't be a idiot. <laughs> Don't be a idiot. <laughs> and people are laughing but that message gets through and oh, they yeah. take home that postcard and it sits on their fridge or on their desk and they start saying no. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is an, a better analogy, I think, in story than the whole, you put your, you put your oxygen mask on first to take care of everyone. I mean, that is right there telling you that if you're gone, you're not helping nobody. So why? why aren't yeah, you? And you know, people, when people laugh, their shielding goes down and the information gets in. Yeah. I mean, I've done stand up comedy about you think a psychic's life is easy because people <laughs> have no idea what we go through. Oh, no. That'd be hilarious to sit in. It on. is. It is. <laughs> So I definitely want to start tapping into some of the questions that I always ask. And I know that, that your mindset change in your 40s was a big one. Um, mm -hmm. So um, what ex I, I'll let you tell everyone what spurned the big mindset change. But I also would like right. to know what the mindset change was that you felt. Well, since I was 11, I was built like a brunette Dolly Parton. I just was. And for years, I thought that my looks were all I was worth because that's what my mother had taught me. Mm -hmm. She had also taught me that because I looked like such a cartoon character that all I would be good for was casual sex. No one would ever want to love me or marry me. And she said it in much cruder terms. Yeah. Now, when you're 16 and your mother says that to you, that kind of sets your life. Oh, for sure. So that's why I had you know, two very short marriages. I had, you know, ran into some abusive partners, the whole thing. Yeah. But 
2002, I found the right guy. After years of dating bad biker boys, I ended up married to a guy like Father Mulcahy from Nash. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that's what I wanted till I had him. Yeah. <laughs> but there we were, very happy. And in 2004, I had microcalcifications on my mammogram. Now, I'd had two bouts of cancer before, lumpectomies and stuff like that, but they were still there. This time, the doctor said, well, the good news is it's a second primary, so it brings the danger clock back to zero, but it's your third time. So three strikes, you're out. We're taking the rack, we're taking your ovaries, and you're going from this Dolly Parton figure with a libido of a 17-year-old boy to a fat fire plug with permanent side effects in three weeks. Yeah. Suck it up. And I went home and cried. I had no idea who I was going to be. What was my worth? Would my husband even stay married to me? You don't know these things. No. But I knew, again, based from option, I had to find three reasons to be okay with this because it was going to happen. So the first one was, okay, you don't have them. They can't get cancer there. That's good. Mm -hmm. Second one was, well, they're not going to slam the rack at the refrigerator door at the doctor's every year. And every (laughs) woman listening knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) Third, Implants, cool. I'll be perky till I'm 93. Mm-hmm. As a result, I went into Mass General, double mastectomy and reconstruction. As they wheeled me into the OR, I was hopped up on Versed and fentanyl, the pre-op drugs that are great. And I had the oncology surgeon and my fabulous plastic surgeon. And I looked at the oncology surgeon and I said, you have three hours for the demolition work. And I looked at my plastic surgeon and said, you have three hours for the front end alignment. I want to be out in six. Boom. <laughs> um, I was out of Mass General in three days, shopped for a bathing suit in five. Wow. Um, now, that really changed the marriage because yeah. of all of the internal damage from, from the uh, gynecology surgery. Mm-hmm. But luckily, we were 20-year-olds. We were almost 50. So we knew how to work and the marriage is still a work in progress, but we're still in love. We're still married. And I had to learn who I was without the cloak of sexuality. Mm -hmm. We all lose it sometime. That's how you'd been told that your purpose. That was all I was worth. That's right. So who was I now? Right. Yeah, if anybody's listening and you've had the absolute full hysterectomy and you need somebody to talk to, jump on, email, anytime. Um, What she's saying with the whole female being ripped out is 100% true. I went from being a feeling like a whole person to losing my mind in three days when they took those ovaries out. I mean, I literally would just sit there and sob and go, I'm never going to be normal again. And in a sense, you're not, but you'll find a new normal. Yeah. Yeah, I did find a new normal. And my family's like, whew, they joke that, man, damn, if we would have known, we would have wanted this done earlier because I went from raging Val to mellow Val. And I'm like, mm-hmm. then I had to battle with that because then I was just like, but I kind of liked raging Val every once in a while. I, can we can we have her visit? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, mean, you know, I used to like changed. driving my Lamborghini. What do you mean there's no gas in the car? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like I lost, I lost that 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 anger, that feistiness. I'm like, I mean, I love Mellow Val, I do. It's it's a lot less energy to be angry all the time, but mm-hmm. I'm like, but it was a little fun too. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, like you said, I had to learn a totally new me, which led me into all of this. 
and, yes. and, and the inner work, you know, that was, that was my 40 story that led me into the big mind changes was my full hysterectomy that, mm-hmm. that really started it as well. Yeah. Um, forced, like you said, you're, we were forced. Mm-hmm. This is what needs to happen. And this is what's going to happen. And you're going to have to deal with it. But when you live the examined life, you teach with it. You pass on what you've learned to others. Yeah. So it didn't happen in vain. There no. Was- no, definitely not. Because I have helped. Because talking about hysterectomy is not something you talk about still. Mm-mm. And I have helped. I can't even remember how many women. Um, you know, I have been on the phone with them right up until their phones were taken away because they yeah. are freaking out. And I am just like, I don't want any of you to be feeling that alone on the way in like I was. I yeah. We, because I didn't talk to anybody. You know, I, I kept it because I'm a strong woman, right? <laughs> strong woman, I got this. It's like, no. Nope. Nope. No. We don't, allowed, you know what? We're, we're allowed st- to collapse. And we're stronger when we do collapse. Mm-hmm. We're much Bones stronger. that break are stronger at the breaking point after they heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it shows, it shows more strength. When I look at it now, it shows more strength for me to reach out and get that mm-hmm. extra help so that I can work yeah. through things faster instead yes. of suffering through them like a martyr. Yes. <laughs> don't want to be said. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. you don't. I don't want to be said. <laughs> so of course I have to ask you, what is one of your dammits? And if, if you're new to listening, dammits are those things that make you you. So it's something about your personality that when you try to change it, it makes you miserable. Uh, for example, I'm loud. I am loud and damn it. I like this about myself. <laughs> That's one that's easy for me to use. I talk too much. Yep. <laughs> that's one of my damn it's too. I talk too much and I'm okay with that. <laughs> so what is something my, about your personality? My bullshit meter is set at featherweight. Yeah. You don't get much chance to bullshit me because I will call you on it, honey. Love it. Love it. You know, um, being blunt, and I know I linked to it in, in a couple episodes ago, and I looked up personality traits when I was doing a, a workshop and found this awesome sheet that MIT had done, and they had broken it down into positive personality traits, you know, medium, whatever, we don't know what they are, traits, and then negative traits. And I'm looking at all the negative traits going, that's bullshit. These are not negative traits. They had blunt on there as a negative trait. Mm -hmm. And I went, why? There's a lot of people that don't want to hear the fluff and crap. That's what I call blurpy purple with angels. Nope. No, they don't want you to blow. People really don't want you. Well, those tests are like self-help books. Yeah. You must be this way or you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say people I know come to me because they don't want me to blow smoke up their ass. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So they go to somebody else if they want that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> if you want to hear the fluffy stuff, go on over there, but we're going to talk about what's really happening and we're going to address it. <laughs> That's yep. why you're coming to me. And I can tell yep. you are definitely that same kind of personality, which I love. I love. There's no time for that, right? There's no, no time to be, and it's not healthy to be told 
what you want to hear when you're asking a question. That's right. That's right. Whether it's about health, whether it's about relationships, whether it's about your finances, you need the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's been, there's extreme cases where if you don't get told the truth and you're just surrounding yourself with people that are telling you what you want to hear, you know, there's, there's deaths that happen because of that, you know, because they're not improving themselves or they're not stopping an addiction or, or something of that nature. Um, Not to go down that path, but um, I I just recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago. We were really, really got into that. So (laughs) that's why it popped into my head with, with with the, the surrounding yourself with people that are telling you what you want to hear and, and just how unhealthy that is. Your yes posse. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing I never found one of those, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we grow when we don't. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so everyone, I will have everything in the show notes. Definitely check out Cleaning Out Your Life Closet by Corby Mitleid. And I um, will have links to that as well so that you can go and check it out and check out her website and get more information because there's so much more to learn about you, Corby. You are you are just, um, and I'm, I'm not good with fancy words. I want to say you're like a savant. Would that be the correct word? Um, I got a lot of shit to tell people. That's <laughs> what you can say eccentric I'm just thinking of all of those like words and I mean everything that that you you've had go on renaissance woman renaissance Renaissance there we go renaissance woman that is what I'm looking for and I'm looking at all that stuff going good grief you've got so much different expertise in so many areas um that I mean if something pops up and somebody wants to talk about something it's pretty easy for you to have a conversation and help them Mm -hmm. yes I'll do my best. And if it's not me, I will tell them. For instance, if somebody came to me and they had a lot of serious medical questions, actually, I would send them to my buddy, Stacy Wells, that I consider the best medical intuitive in the U.S. Yeah. Because that's frankly the way a professional intuitive works. If it's not our wheelhouse, we'll find you someone that is exactly what you need. We won't try to say, well, I can maybe fudge it. Which is Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody, somebody else can help you more with that. And, and I mean, people will remember that and they're, and it it goes, the whole world goes around like that when we help each other. Mm -hmm. It all -hmm. all comes back. So before we leave, what is one thing that you would want to say to someone that is about to open your book? So glad that you're with us, but what you need to remember is any self-help book that works for you needs to support your growth in your own life circumstances. I hope mine does. If it doesn't, give it to a friend. Move on. Yeah. Truly, you will not hurt my feelings. But I think you're probably going to find something useful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure because I'm only a chapter and a half in. So for sure, they're going <laughs> to, I can guarantee that you guys are going to find something useful in the book um, because she's written it so much. Like, like I talk about when I'm doing my workshops, you know, I'm teaching you my experience and you take what works for you. and doesn't work for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not telling anybody that this is the way that it needs to be done. If you don't do it this way, you're wrong. 
Exactly. And can I let all, all the people know, I mean, when they read your book or my book or whatever, you know, those of us who do self-publishing, Amazon's rule is if you don't have 50, five, zero reviews, they kind of hide you in the back shelf behind the pickles. Mm -hmm. So if you read a book that you love, take five minutes, write three sentences, let people know the book is good. You have no idea what that means to the author, whether it's me or Val or somebody else. Yes, that is very true because everybody, we read all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course, same, it's how same we with podcast we reviews. Yes, yeah, yeah. podcast reviews. I live for reading those. <laughs> Absolutely. That is a very good reminder for me to go and leave a review on a book that I do recommend the most. And I've never done that. And I feel a little bit ashamed right now that I haven't. <laughs> so do it today. Yes. Don't feel ashamed. Just exactly. go do it. Exactly. Yep. Yep. I will go and do it today. Excellent reminder. So thank you so much for being here, Corby. This has been an awesome, fun conversation. Oh, I had a blast. You are more than welcome. Thank you. So thank you for joining us today. I look forward to continuing to guide you into creating your bold life because you deserve to live as your best self. <laughs>